0: Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college half of our flagship podcast here at Campus DeCanton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Coming off a heck of a Super Bowl this week. I had an enjoyable time watching it. Colin, just gonna toss this right to you. Chiefs, you know, we talked all year, not great receivers. Who do you want to give them in this year's draft to uh to 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 round out that wide receiver room a little bit?
1: Oh man, I mean we've seen so many wide receivers draft like drafted to them at the end of the first. Like it seems pretty much like everybody's in a consensus that they're gonna take a wide receiver first in the first round. I don't mm-hmm. I don't think they will. I no, I think you will. can wait till the second if you're them and still get a pretty yeah. good player, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um I feel like they need somebody on the boundary. Um hmm. Who do I want to give them? I want to say almost like I would have said maybe Devontae Walker before he kind of uh, fell apart at the senior bowl a little bit, Mm -hmm. uh, because I feel like he's a better version of Marquez Valdez Scantling. uh, Although now maybe he's the exact same player. I don't know. Um, Let's give him Adonai Mitchell in the second instead.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: that Feels like a good range. Um, He's a big guy on the outside. It'll give him another red zone target. What about you? I was actually going to say give him Roman Wilson. Okay. All right.
0: I think that could be interesting. Um, There is some similarity with Rasheed Rice, but I think he's a much better athlete than Rasheed Rice. I think he's got some untapped potential as a deep ball guy. As a bit of a... I think he can basically sub in and be Mikael Hardman but like someone that you could rely on actually although you know I mean even last night had the yeah. deep catch had the touchdown They gave game winning touchdown so yeah who knows who knows that's that's how I'm going to give him uh do you think the and the follow up question do you think the chiefs uh run it back
1: next year do you think they go for a 3p no i don't think they do um i think that it was actually a little surprising to me that they won this year uh, i think they really did a lot of work with on the back of their defense and Steve Spagnola and the, their corner duo was so good. Uh, but Snead is going to be a free agent. I don't know if they're going to be able to pay him. Chris Jones, I'm pretty sure, is also going to be a free agent. It's always hard to count them out with Mahomes, but that offense didn't look that great. I mean, that Super Bowl was kind of boring in the first half. Um, if you're looking for offense and I don't know. I don't. They're going to have to invest in in somebody at the somebody at the wide receiver position fairly early in this draft. I think. Like think we just kind of talked about, but with the other pieces that they're losing, I I don't think that this. I'm going to look at this team come, you know, the end of August, beginning of September, and think, yeah, this is this is a Super Bowl winning team. Now, the one thing that's working in their favor is the Ravens also are going to be losing some players in free agency, some key players. So. Maybe that ends up working out for them. But I wouldn't put them. I, I would be a little surprised if they three Pete at this point.
0: I'm I'm gonna say they three Pete. Wild. I know. I think they're gonna do it. Or at least make it back to the Super Bowl. I think they'll win the AFC. And I think the nice thing for them is that, you know, they they if they if they let Sneed walk, it's a supposedly a very deep cornerback class. I honestly could see them going corner first, wide, wide receiver second, you know, BPA third and not really skipping a beat so i mean people forget you know they're missing a couple of different linebackers um mm-hmm. you know the wide receiver and the group is just atrocious um you know the line actually they invested a lot in it but it wasn't amazing through parts of the year mm-hmm. so um i think there's weirdly a lot of room for improvement i think they will go ahead and do it and Mahomes is making below market value so that helps too weirdly
1: is he making below market value
0: I mean, yeah, basically, for what he probably could should be making, yeah, he's making below market. He signed like a ten or thirteen year deal or something like that. Yeah, ridiculous.
1: Um, yeah, but it was only like two years ago.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I'm not sure. Well, the cap keeps going up. I'm not sure. I'm not even sure. Like he's gonna read. Like they're gonna renegotiate it. Like they not could, really, I yeah. guess, just you know have them do the the signing bonuses or whatever to to you know push the cap forward. But I. I mean, they might not even do that. I, I don't Have know. him sign the Shohei Ohtani deal. Hey, whatever works. He's taking back batting practice today or something. I saw for yeah. the first time. Mm-hmm. So I guess yeah. he's not going to pitch this year. I don't know. I don't follow baseball at all.
1: No, he's not expected to pitch this year. Um, he had surgery, but he is expected to bat hit this year. And I mean, he's just as good of a hitter, Uh not better. So,
0: all right. Next up on Sports Center, um, what do you think the <laughs> Lakers are going to do this year? <laughs> <laughs> um all right uh let's talk some college football uh we are topics for tonight colin i reached around in my giant hat here that has just slips of paper with topics on it that actually is not a bad idea it's not Hmm. it's not i don't hate that Hmm. okay um that just gave me into moving forward um this hat (laughs) doesn't exist but if it did i reached into it this week and we're going to talk second year wide receivers it's a, a really deep wide receiver group uh, throughout college football, I think even just beyond the obvious name. So we can talk about some of those guys, how we think the class is shaping up, um, and maybe some late round guys that we think you can get for really, really cheap that probably outperform whatever you're paying for them. Uh, you know, if you guys, you want, guys that broke out year one, probably aren't values anymore. So who's going to break out year two, uh, and present some value there. Uh, and then we each picked uh, the topic was a take that you want to get out in the open before spring practices start so that you can point back in a few months and say, uh-huh, uh-huh. Look, I said that in February. And then lastly, we each do have two freshman profiles and just full disclosure last I wasn't on last week, two weeks ago, I did Terry Bussey as my freshman profile and he's Going to Texas A&M, we are right there, but he's apparently going to play corner and dabble as a wide receiver. So you can go back to that episode, the very end of it, ignore everything that I said. We're no longer drafting Terry Bussey, even if he is a really, really interesting
1: player for right now. Um, snip, snap, I, snip, snap, man. I mean, we thought he was going to be a corner, and then we're getting a lot of wide receiver buzz. And now back I've, to...
0: I was it's 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 interesting. So I really really like Isaiah Williams, the one wide receiver, the other wide receiver that they're bringing in. They really aren't bringing in a ton of other offensive skill guys this year. Um, and I was like, well, he's like the only wide receiver in the class, and they're bringing in Bussy, and I was like, does this hurt Isaiah Williams? But I also like Bussy, but not Bussy. It was just yeah, it's, it really has been a roller coaster for me uh, on that front. But I digress. Um, I think a couple of news items. Nothing. I don't, I don't think there's anything earth shattering here, but worth. Worth discussing a little bit. Um, final, we think, pieces of the coaching carousel for the offseason uh, sliding into shape here. Chip Kelly, they were going to fire him. Then he beat USC. Then they weren't going to fire him. And then he quiet quit. And didn't, <laughs> but, but then he wasn't going to leave. But now he, he's leaving UCLA, I guess, by his own accord. So I guess UCLA doesn't have to pay anything out. They're apparently broke, so they're probably happy about that. Um, Chip Kelly leaving ucla i think he's probably tired of recruiting it's never really been something that he's loved to do and that he is very very clearly given up on it over the past year or two um he had dante Moore fall into his lap so don't don't come at me and say he got dante Moore last year that like literally (laughs) an accident um he's gonna go be an offensive coordinator uh at the college level so really really interesting heading to ohio state um You know, that that displaces Bill O'Brien. Well, I think those were related moves, and we'll talk about Bill O'Brien here in a second. Um, Chip Kelly is not really known for producing high-end, you know, wide receiver production. I think really his only big year at Oregon, I think uh, like his second or third year there, Jeff Mayle had like 80 catches for over a 1,000 yards and close to 10 touchdowns. But other than that, usually it's like a bunch of guys with 25 to 50 catches. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting to see how he kind of merges his running back heavy approach with what Ohio state's been doing over the past couple of years, what the personnel is Colin. um, uh, fallout
1: from this move in your early estimation. So I, I think it's a really interesting hire for Ohio state's perspective. Cause like you said, it, he, he kind of, he kind of clashes stylistically a little bit with Ryan Day and the offense that they have run there in the past, like a couple years. I mean, he's much more run heavy. Um, but if there's a year that they're going to lean on the run game more, it's this year. I mean, they have two of, if not the best running backs in college football right now. And I know Chip Kelly. When, when he has a guy, he kind of leans on a guy like he did with Charbonnet, uh, at UCLA, but he's also no stranger to committees. So I think he could make this running game really fun. But how much influence is he going to be able to have over this offense? I think is going to be the really interesting question. Presumably, we know they didn't bring him into recruit because like you said, it kind of sounds like he was uh, not overly enthused with the idea of continuing to recruit players Um, so they didn't bring him in for that reason. Why else would you bring in Chip Kelly if not to do what he does best and call offensive plays? Like that seemed to be what he really wanted to do. And I think that they're going to bring him in to do that. So I think we're going to see a different Ohio state offense than we've seen the past couple of years. And, you know, with Will Howard at the helm is probably not the type of quarterback that you want slinging the ball around the yard, you know, 35 times a game. So everything's kind of adding up a little bit. Uh, I'll be really interested to see how this shakes out.
0: This feels like a bit of a happy accident for Ohio State because I think a lot of people have been saying all offseason, you know, these aren't really the pieces that you would normally expect to see out of what Ryan Day has wanted over the past couple of years. As you, as you mentioned there, you know, they've been a chuck at the ball around. They, they, he doesn't, really doesn't want the quarterback moving around a ton. And you're kind of loaded with proven guys at wide receiver. Um, you know, the running back room is deep, but not necessarily um, top heavy. And this off season, they went out and got a quarterback who ran uh, minus sacks for last year for uh, uh, over 400 yards. Um, but like you said, is mildly limited as a passer. I don't think he's awful, but, um, you know, he's not he's not who they've had there. Um, you know, you lose Marvin Harrison. Um, you don't have a lot of proven production there outside of Emeka Gbuka at wide receiver, uh, and you bring in uh, Judkins. They've also worked to solidify that offensive line. So I do think it's interesting, but I do think, I don't think any one offensive philosophy is really going to stand out here Um, because I think you have to manage some egos and some personalities on the staff you know, Brian Hartley is is what the co-OC, the passing game coordinator or something whatever the title he's he's yeah. he keeps getting bumped up to so that he'll stay there um you know he, he's been a big part of Ohio State's success recruiting these wide receivers you think some of these guys you think Jeremiah Smith would have gone there I, I'm not so sure if without the the work of Brian Hartline and um, so you know chip Kelly wants to run it but I'm sure Hartline has been telling all these guys he's bringing in. he's got promises to keep um and i'm sure ryan day um has some promises to keep as well especially for the quarterback so um yeah i don't i don't i, I think this is, this might actually just be a this offense is going to be really good and it's really it feels really weird to say this from like a fantasy perspective but they just might not have a lot of guys that like you want to play weekly in fantasy i think Ekbuka, i think i is going to be a target hog and then other than that um you know maybe maybe the two running backs are each getting 15 touches a week like is that gonna be always be enough to want to play one of them um i guess you'll probably want to play will howard but i mean it's gonna be very interesting i i'm I'm, i think they're all good players i I don't think it hurts their value in a c2c league at all but you know if you're talking you were really hoping to be able to start quinch judkins next year uh that might not necessarily be possible for you anymore
1: yeah yeah it's it's gonna be it's going to take probably a week or two to really feel out how the running back touches go. But uh, I, I'm not ruling out the possibility that both of them will be startable options in, you know, CFF. I, I don't are they going to be high end options? Probably not as high end as we were hoping for. But uh, I mean, in the way too early mock that uh, they did over chasing the natty, uh, Travion went in. Uh, He's like the last running back off the board, I think. So in that type of a setting, there's not too high of expectations for him. So I think he can outperform where those CFF expectations are currently. I
0: will say if he stays healthy all year, I expect him to outperform Judkins. Actually, by like uh, by at least 50 fantasy points total in the season. So I think that'll be interesting um, just because of his I, I think they're going to I think he's going to catch a ton of passes again next year. Uh, what did he catch his freshman year? Something like 30. Might Something like that. Right yeah. around there. I, I I think he'll do that again, um, which will, I think, uh, make up a little bit for the lack of uh, experience at wide receiver, um, which we, you know, we, we've we covered pretty extensively. So Chip Kelly to Ohio State and Bill O'Brien to Boston College. I think there's a lot of moving pieces here as to why that probably happened. Um, Bill O'Brien has ties to Boston College previously. Is he an alum or he had just coached there previously? I don't exactly know what that connection is it also sounds like which i didn't realize his son has some sort of brain di- di- disease mm. disorder or something and like there's doctors in the boston area that specialize in it so um you know it the, the helps out with, with with that kind of thing um and i'm sure a guy like bill o'brien uh i'm, I'm not sure he wants to be an oc anymore he, he's had a taste of head coach uh yeah uh, like for for a large portion of the past 10 to 15 years so not not sure he wants to go back to college coordinator so he's going to boston college i think this is a really interesting match because this is a program that i think had a little bit of momentum there's no local talent it's very difficult to kind of build a well-rounded roster there Um, but their head coach got snapped up by the packers to be their new dc a few weeks ago um and I, I I did see someone talking about this the other day. And it is funny that he called Jalen Noro a running back or whatever or a tight end. And now <laughs> I think he's going to get an even worse passer. Yes. And Thomas Castellanos. We'll see if that's going to be a clash of personalities if if Castellanos is on the first train out of there after spring practice. Um, who knows? He also doesn't have another option. So, you know, he, maybe maybe that's best he won't uh He won't poke the bear there. I don't know. What do you think, Colin? What do you think is going to happen here? Do you think this is a, a good hire, a a nice match? Or do you think this is going to be, uh, quickly undoing all of the positive, uh, things that
1: have, uh, kind of been developing there over the past 12 to 18 months? I think that this was the best hire that Boston college could have possibly hoped to make, to be honest. Um, Look at the collegiate level, Bill O'Brien, head coach at Penn State, he did a very admirable job filling in there after all the sanctions and everything that happened on there. Like, you know, a lot of credit to him for keeping that program relevant, you know. And and you know, they weren't amazing at that time, but they were solid and the offenses were solid, and he's always been able to have pretty productive offenses. Now he at the same time you do have to acknowledge the strides that Boston college made as a team last year in particular and how, you know, fun of an offense that was with Thomas Castellanos, but I don't think that Castellanos is the type of quarterback that O'Brien wants in this offense. Um, it would not, they, they, I don't think he has another option right now, so we'll see how he can try and make that work, but it really wouldn't surprise me if they bring in another quarterback, um, once spring ball ends uh, to compete with Cassianos here because they do, they did bring in a couple other pieces this off season that I think uh, can be pretty interesting. They brought in Trey uh, Treshawn Ward at running back. They brought in Jaron Bradley at wide receiver to pair him with um, Griffin. So they have some interesting pieces on offense. I think, Tackix is out of eligibility now. I think he is, too. They had another wide receiver there
0: last year who was kind of interesting. A uh, real fast guy. Um, I don't remember his Bond? name. They also have Mike Tomlin's kid. but
1: I want to say Bond, not Isaiah Bond. Uh, uh, yeah, you might be right. Yeah, I think you are right. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember the first name, though. But, yeah, they, they have some fun pieces James. on that offense. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so I think if they can get a quarterback to run what Bill O'Brien typically likes to do, uh, then I think that they could be, they could be decent next year. You know, like I think that they could have a very similar year. And I think Bill O'Brien is going to be able to recruit better than Boston college has been able to do in the past, just because of the name cache and he has NFL connections. So like I said, I think this was as good of a hire as Boston college could have possibly Um, hoped to make but at the same time you do like you said have to give recognition to the strides that they've made recently
0: they had one player with more than one receiving touchdown last year Ooh, they had like eight guys have one touchdown and then lewis bond had lewis bond so it sounds like a, uh, like an F1 driver or something. Lewis
1: Bond. I don't know. <laughs> you getting a big into F1 over no, here? No,
0: I don't watch it at all. I just, sounds like if I watched some generic commercial for like F1, it would be like, you know, Ferrari, Lewis Bond, Saturday and driving the streets <laughs> of Vegas. I don't know. I, it's about, it's about all I've gathered from, from, from F1. My brother-in-law watches it. My brother-in-law like literally only watches the weirdest sports. He likes soccer, so if you mm-hmm. do ponder over that, but he watches like he's not like I mean they're like they're like just not American niche American sports. He watches like boxing, F1 for soccer. He actually prefers to watch Serie A and the Mexican League. Like is like it's like the dollar brand version of sports is like what this guy likes <laughs> to watch. I'm like, buddy, I'm trying to have, like come on, let's let's go watch the college. He sports.
1: likes to watch the sports that nobody else can talk about
0: apparently i i don't know what his deal is Uh, i mean
1: syria ah there's enough people out there that could potentially talk about that but like liga mx
0: yeah it's crap (laughs) (laughs) not entertaining to watch i don't really know what the deal is there um he's not from he's from central pa he's not he's not mexican or something Mm -hmm. like you know he's not Mm -hmm. from mexico though this would Mm -hmm. be a you know we watched it growing up back home um yeah (laughs) But he doesn't anyway. listen to the show either, so it's fine. <laughs> um, yes, okay. So Boston, uh, Bob to Boston College, I, I do think it'll be interesting um, to see what happens there. And then uh, the last one here to kind of round it out, UCLA. There were rumors that they were targeting a bunch of the head coaches that just got new jobs. I don't even. Those reports were always so bizarre because UCLA has no money. So I was like, how are you going to go buy out any of these dudes? I, I don't know. I write them an IOU. Uh, but they go and get Deshaun Foster, who was recently their running back coach and had gone to the Raiders to be their running back coach. He has no coordinator experience, no head coach experience. I think that tells you how little money, money UCLA has. And this was the option they went with, I'm not saying he's going to be bad or a disaster or anything. I, I literally don't know enough about this guy as like a coach to have like any sort of valuable insight. I just think it's interesting that this is kind of hopefully how the the cycle is going to close out. We don't have to worry about any other movement. Uh, I think that probably keeps TJ Harden there for whatever that's worth. You know, as a returning running back there.
1: Um, I don't really have any
0: other thoughts on this, quite frankly.
1: Yeah. I don't really have any strong fo- thoughts on Foster as a coach either. I'm not overly familiar with um, what he has, is done because he hasn't really done that much um you know i think it was an interesting get to bring him in from the nfl running back coach ranks um but we'll we'll see how this one shakes out i think it's like you said ucla was kind of broke they weren't going to really be able to pay too many buyouts um this just kind of felt like a, a band-aid hire here um so we'll you know we'll I don't want to, you know, poo-poo this higher just because I don't really know that much about him. But it won't really surprise me if things don't go particularly well for UCLA in their first season or two in the Big Ten, and then he's, you know, kind of on the hot seat. Um, yeah, I think UCLA's get might might
0: are they going to be Northwest? They, I th- they'll be worse than Northwestern next year, I think. I could definitely see that. I'm trying to think what the other bottom, you know, kind of expectation teams are in the big 10. Um, you know, Rutgers, they made a bowl last year and, you know, weren't, weren't terrible. Um, Maryland might be kind of bad. They lose Talia. I don't, I don't really know what to make of them next year. Um, Yeah, I think they're, I think they might be my early favorite, just totally shooting off the hip without any, putting any thought into this for, for worst team in the big 10. We'll see. We'll see. Um, wow. I don't think it, I don't think anyone would have expected Northwestern to do as well as they did either this year. So you yeah, they could maybe they surprise. Maybe they surprise. Um all right. I think uh, UCLA
1: will be better than teams like Purdue.
0: Yeah, that's true. Purdue could be pretty bad. I forgot about them. Yeah. Um lose Dion Burks. Bad. We'll their quarterback. I don't think, I don't I, think they'll they have be hard, be- right?
1: I think he's still there. I think he's still there. Does he have eligibility still? I don't know. I think so. Uh, well, let's pull up the, the handy dandy uh, C2C Winning Edge production and returning production. And yes, he does. He is returning.
0: Hmm. All right. Well, speaking of the C2C Winning Edge, guys, we have a great package for anybody who considers themselves a big college football fan. Head over to Campus to Canton today. Check out the C2C Winning Edge. Uh, you can get it for $14.99 a month, for, uh, $149.99 per year, or you can roll it into an NIL membership. Get those two combined, at the All 22 level it gives you literally everything that's produced at Campus to Canton. Uh, right now, the early production's out, but they are—it is the the best depth chart information. Um, really, really good for betting stuff. Um, so, if you're into either of those things, I would highly suggest uh, heading over and checking that out today. Um, all right, right, second-year wide, wide receivers, Colin. Um, it's, a, it's a really deep class. I think we talked about that a lot last year. You know, We liked a lot of the wide receivers. And uh, even with some of the guys that we think are legitimate Debbie assets who didn't really do anything, we had quite a few uh, freshmen produce. Um, I, I'll toss out some questions here, Colin, just some, some prompts within second-year wide receivers and so we can kind of talk from there um top top uh, freshman or top second year we'll just call them sophomore i hate those terms i don't think you like those terms either anymore they're outdated but we're going to use them in their actual context like their intended usage so best sophomore wide receiver
1: right now colin who's who's head of the class right now um i think it's carnell tate for me uh but we did just Talk a little bit about, um, you know, at the open of the show here how the Ohio State passing game might not be um, as good as we thought it was going to be originally. Now with Chip Kelly coming in, so I think his value takes a little bit of a hit here. But just given what he's done, uh, what he did last year, and uh, you know the the track record of Ohio State wide receivers, I still think Carnell Tate is my number one. Sophomore wide receiver. I have Branch top in the class uh, wide receiver four overall.
0: Um, I um, you know I, I think we saw enough last year. He did fade a little bit down the stretch, but also had, he also had uh, I want to say ankle, some sort of some lower inner, lower body injury. Now that could be concerning. You know maybe you know he, he is a smaller player. Um, there's always a little bit of a risk of of some injury. Um, but for right now, I think branch, probably the best situation, um, overall, though, probably not as good as we anticipated it being, you know, just USC as a whole, some, some big questions there. Um, but yeah, branch, branch is top for me. Um, who tier, you know, top tier guys calling kind of tier one, who, who all do
1: you have in there right now? Yeah, I have, um, Zachary branch in tier one there. So I. I get that. Um, I get potentially having him as the first option there. Um, I do. I still really like Jonte Cook. I just I hate the other guys that they that the fact that they brought in so many other guys. They brought in Isaiah Bond, who I do have ahead of Jonte Cook right now. I have um, Bond at ten and Cook at eleven. Um, I still like Matthew Golden. Um, they also bring in um, Silas Bolden. So there's enough other guys there that I am kind of concerned about, Jonte Cook. So I don't think I can quite put him tier one right now. I think tier one is just Tate and Branch for me. But Cook is right there on that borderline. And then the next guy right behind him would be Deuce Robinson. But I I don't I feel pretty confident in Robinson and Tier two cook is the one I would entertain an argument for tier one.
0: Yeah. I think there's, there's only two right now that just are, um, you know, we, we like the player. We like the situation. There's not a lot of uncertainty about playing time or anything like that. And I think that's branch and Tate are two number one. So I think if, I had to just go and, you know, say, you know, put an arbitrary, where's the cutoff here from a value perspective, I think branch and Tate. And then I think you do get into uh, a whole group after that. I think, you know, as you mentioned, Dante, Dante cook, I think Deuce Robinson is very squ- squarely in there. I, I, I feel pretty good about him moving forward. Um, and then you start getting into some of these guys that are like, you know, a little bit weirder situation, like Kevin Concepcion at, at NC state, you know, is he, is he a gadget guy? Is he like actually a really good wide receiver? He's pretty much the only player with any sort of talent on that roster last year. So you know how much of his production was that? You got a guy like Eugene Wilson, kind of a similar deal there at Florida, um, less gadgety, but you know, kind of undersized. He's probably only a slot guy. Um, you, and then you really start getting into some question marks after that. But I think those are I think Cook and Robinson for sure are kind of in that next grouping after Branch and Tate for me. And then I think you can make arguments about some other guys, but I think, I think those are the the top four for me
1: uh, as of today. Sounds like they are for you too. Yeah, those are the top. Yeah. Those are the top four for me as well. Um, The next ones I have there, Makai Lemon, um, Eugene Wilson, uh, Jalen Hale, Casey Concepcion. So kind of like right there. They're all um, inside my top 25. So they're all fairly high for me. Uh, I do have pretty high expectations for these guys all coming in here, but I feel like I have Eugene Wilson at 22, and I feel like I'm the low man a little bit almost. Like He's been getting a lot of hype this offseason.
0: His range is anywhere from mid-second to mid-third, it looks like, in our um, mock drafts that we're doing so far. I did go and look, Colin. I just was curious because you know he did have a pretty good statistical year—72 catches, um, led all true freshmen, and led all true freshmen in yardage with 845 yards as well. I actually went and pulled a list on Campus can Camp. You can go into some of our tools and play around with a ton of data going back to like 2006, I believe. So I set the the filters um, to um, yards per team pass attempt. Um, I set them to true freshmen. At the Power Five level, and then I did also just filter, um, you know, by I, I, I added an option to filter by yardage as well, just so I could kind of look and see, um, you know, who was doing it on on heftier volume. And the list of players that I brought up that actually, you know, were in the same range as him uh, was really really interesting. Um, and, and I'm pulling it up here again right now just to discuss this. So. Um, Players with a greater than 1.75 yards per team pass attempt as a true freshman at a Power Five school since 2013. And this is the this is the whole list. There's a couple names in here you might not know, but you know there there's there's a lot that you're gonna know. Tyler Boyd, Xavier Worthy, Rondale Moore, Calvin Ridley, Kevin Concepcion is fifth. Mike Dudek, who was at Illinois, I have never heard of him. Uh, Duke Williams. Uh, at Auburn, Amon Richards, who was a really good player at Miami before he suffered a, some sort of neck injury that ended his career. Kyle Williams, uh, who actually, actually take Kyle Williams off that list. Cause he did not, his freshman year wasn't power five. He was at a uh, UNLV, I believe, uh, Artavis Scott, uh, Christian Kirk, Rashad Bateman, David Bell, Justin Ross, Jalen Waddle, Amon Ross, St. Brown, CD lamb, uh, Nate Phillips, John Burt, Barry and Brown, Quentin Johnson, George Pickens, Eric Singleton jr like that's a pretty hefty amount of guys that went on to be pretty good fantasy options in the NFL. Obviously you have some busts in there too, but even a lot of the busts, you know, Rondale, uh, we think probably, um, you know, Bateman bell um, have all gone. Johnston have all gone top what 60, I think in the draft. So you still probably held on to quite a bit of value with some of those guys. I think this grouping, is a really safe investment um overall long term so i do think that even if i'm I'm a little skeptical on kevin concepci on the player i do think his value is probably locked and loaded for a few years here where you can get out from under him although i don't love that third round startup price this list does tell me that where everyone's probably a little too low on eric singleton jr who <laughs> also somehow snuck onto this list i did yeah. not expect that Um at georgia tech there had himself a pretty good year uh, a little undersized but um you know it was pretty pretty darn good last year
1: yeah, I am I actually have Eric Singleton as my wide receiver 42. So I like I like Singleton. Um especially I I coming back in that offense with King. Oh. Interesting. Maybe yeah, I'm not I I gotta yeah. move him up.
0: I, I think right. the Debbie group were talking about him today, and it seemed like right around 40 was kind of where everybody has him. Um mm-hmm. I have him sorry, I misspoke. So I have him at uh <laughs> I have him at 24. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Um, ahead just ahead of a couple of guys here. here here's who I have right behind him: Dane Key, Squirrel White, mm-hmm. Antoine Wells Jr., Makai Lemon, Tyler Brown, uh, Deion Burks, Malachi Coleman, Nick Harbor, Cam Coleman, the freshman going to Auburn, Mylon Graham, freshman Ohio State. Um, that that's kind of the grouping I have right behind him. Then you get into the more of like the speculative uh, Alec a minor Donovan McCulley you know th- th- that grouping uh, and wow. just ahead of him too high he was really good last year and he's kind of still figuring out wide receiver um so i i think he's really really interesting with Signetti going in there um real chance that he's like a sixty eight fifty and five kind of guy this year i i could see that kind of a year for him
1: that would be I, I, that wouldn't be crazy. They did bring in several other wide receivers too, which I think worries me a little bit. Um, but he did enter the portal, and Signetti had to like re-recruit him. So it seems like Signetti at least values him enough to bring him back. Um, so that'll be interesting. But back to your your year two wide receiver talk. Um, I I think I like the group that Concepcion is is with there that you the the guys that you named off. I still have some concerns about his long-term NFL future. Um, You know, and, and the guys on that list that you named off, there were definitely some good draft capital on there, but, and if that's what you're counting as a hit and which is, is totally a valid as a hit, um, you know, then I think that maybe Concepcion like doesn't quite live up to the hype that, you know, you might get as he gets that type, of a draft capital, like some of those other guys uh, have not either. So, I have Concepcion as twenty wide receiver, twenty four. I feel pretty good in that range, um, but it's mostly because there's not really that many other like players, like wide receivers, running backs, even quarterbacks. Like any that. I'm not really excited about too many names this year. So, Kevin Concepcion gets gets a nice bump.
0: Um. I want to ask you uh, so here here's here's my next prompt for you Colin the top 15 in the country last year true freshmen in terms of just you know raw reception numbers Kevin Concepcion was one as we mentioned earlier Eugene Wilson of Florida two. Amari Thomas at UAB number three I think that's an interesting name Tyler Brown at Clemson number four Eric Singleton fifth Chase Sowell East Carolina, not a name that I'm, you know, terribly familiar with there at six, Devin McEwen at UTSA, uh, at seven Ty- Tiger Bachmeyer at Stanford at eight, Zachary Branch ninth, another name, Landon sides at North Texas, a kid that I'm not terribly familiar with, but, um, uh, could be interesting there, uh, in that offense, Mikey Matthews at Utah was 11th, Jace Brown at Kansas state, uh, a uh, big f- uh, favorite of of Mike and and Corey over at um, the second best debut show on the network. Uh, Rico Flores from Notre Dame. Who's now at, I think UCLA actually um, tied mm-hmm. with Chase yes. Brown. Uh, and then a couple of names here. Landon ransom goals at rice had 26, not too familiar with him. Carlos Hernandez, the Washington state freshman uh, Harvey Broussard at Louisiana Lafayette. And then Dwayne Thomas jr. at Charlotte. So, that those are your top 15. Um, I don't know any, any thoughts on that grouping, any guys that you, uh, you know, maybe should be considering maybe, you know, as a CFF guy that, that, uh, maybe we, we, we don't, we have ranked too low right now.
1: Yeah. Carlos Hernandez is a name that I've been keeping a pretty close eye on, um, in my rankings. And I, um, i i like carlos hernandez he showed some promise last year i have him currently as my wide receiver 104 um so i'm not like you know crazy high on him but i do think he can step into that slot role in that washington state offense um you know and that that's been a very productive role we saw lincoln victor have a nice year this year so i think it's going to to be Hernandez and Kyle Williams uh, as the two top guys there, and that's going to be a pretty soft schedule. So if you're talking to me about guys for, for CFF, you know, I think Carlos Hernandez is a really interesting name uh, out of that group. And then the other one, uh, Mikey Matthews, going to Cal is kind of disappointing to me, actually. Uh, when he entered the portal, I thought, OK, he's going to get away from Utah. He could go somewhere really fun. And I, I mean, think Cal's at and Cal is a- <laughs> probably... Yeah, yikes. I I think both of those two places are probably better than Utah for fantasy purposes for CFF, but I don't know how much uh, better I feel about it at Cal. So he's a guy that I'm watching with some interest, but uh, I'm not overly optimistic on at this point.
0: Um, Yeah, it's fair enough. Um, you know, I think Devin McEwen, Tiger Bachmeier kind of stand out to me as guys that, that could potentially be really, really interesting, um, depending on if those, those offenses continue to kind of kick on, like we expect, um, you know, na- names that I don't hear talked about a ton. Um, and then I, mean, I, I don't know what to do with Tyler Brown. And mm-hmm. I think we had this discussion recently because he, he occupies the same position as Antonio Williams. They both played basically purely out of the slot, um, when they were healthy. Um, but, um, you know, can they coexist, which, who, who plays outside, who plays inside between those two guys? Um, I'm interested to see, I don't, I don't know what to make, um, of Tyler Brown there, quite frankly.
1: Yeah. I'm kind of in that same boat too. I mean, I talked about it, I think, um, two weeks ago that I don't really know what to do with these Clemson wide receivers right now. So, you know, throwing Tyler Brown, Right there in that group um, I, I I there was definitely some things that are encouraging about Brown um but I also think that there's some limitations to his game I don't think he has like the highest ceiling out of players which isn't necessarily a bad thing because he does seem like a high floor guy um, so I, I i'm I'm struggling with what to do with, with Tyler Brown there as well I mean I, I currently have him um ranked as my wide receiver 23 so it's like i said it's eugene wilson jalen hale um tyler brown Kevin conception and makai lemon all like in a cluster there uh, so I, all second year guys that is i like and don't love
0: if we go and look at recept receiving yardage some names that could kind of add it to the pool is potentially interesting uh london humphreys who was at vanderbilt and now is headed to georgia that's the killer with him because i do think there would be. Uh, a lot more discussion around Humphreys if that was not the move that he was making. Um, yeah. And then the only other name that pops up in here that didn't on the other list is a Traylon Ray, who's was at West Virginia, who had 321 yards receiving. A guy that I, I quite frankly, am not familiar with 6'3, 193, um, uh, almost exclusively out, out wide. Um, did have three of his final four games last year with six targets. Um, had a couple of two touchdowns in his final four games as well. Um, if we think that West Virginia offense kicks on a little bit, is he an interesting guy? Maybe, um, but I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not ranking him right now, and I'm not certainly not investing in him right now in anything. But, you know, maybe a, you know, 25 to 30 team type league that's just insanely deep on the college side. Maybe maybe he's a guy you kind of sneak in at the end of a draft or something.
1: Yeah, I mean, even in our C2C versus NIL league with 24 that's, teams, like I don't think. Yeah, I don't think he's rostered in there, is what I'm saying. So
0: that's the one I was so. thinking of. That one, right? I have like a 24 teamer that's like really, really deep as well that, that, that I could see doing it. But um, yeah. Uh, so uh, any other names, Colin, in this class that you think are undervalued, overvalued, um, you know, whatever other valued? I guess really the, the some of the guys we didn't mention here are some of the year one zero guys, Dicky. You know, yeah. Hakeem Williams, Brandon Ennis, um, Cordell Russell, that that grouping. And then some of the barely past year one zero guys. So Malachi Coleman, Michael East Harbor, um, uh, Jacoise Petaway at Oklahoma. Um, Jaden Greathouse. Uh, Jaden Greathouse, who I, didn't, I actually didn't even put on this list. Um, but yeah, he, he uh, is certainly a name as well. Um, and then a guy that really doesn't fall in any of those categories is Jalen Lloyd, the Nebraska kid who had like six catches for 300 yards or something, something ridiculous uh, as a true freshman last year. So another kind of interesting uh, athletic guy.
1: Yeah. I think the only other guy um, that I would say is interesting to me that hasn't been named uh, is Noah Rogers uh, now formerly from Ohio state. Now at NC state Uh, year one, zero, so you know what's the Debbie potential there? It's not a, a good, very good outlook, despite him being, well, like fringe top ten in the class. Like he was like somewhere between eight and ten, I think, right? Um, in last year's class, uh, for us,
0: yeah. no, for, oh, for, for the, the
1: services? services, he was a
0: five star. No, Rogers was pretty sure composite. He was a five star. If he wasn't, okay. he was like the top
1: non five star. Yeah. Okay. I knew he was really highly regarded, but high, high recruiting pedigree there and going to NC state. Now I think that, you know, we talked about Casey Concepcion here already as, you know, kind of the guy in that offense, but I think that, you know, Noah Rogers can do some things a little differently that, that Concepcion doesn't offer. Uh, and so I could see Rogers having some, some a nice little bounce back this year as well. Um, and he could, I could potentially see him being CFF relevant. So I think he's a guy to just kind of monitor. He said the Devi hope probably not quite what we thought it was going to be, but uh, NC State was was a good landing spot for him. I think
0: NC State brought in a couple other guys too, though. Wesley Grimes, yeah, really hard to, They bring in Justin Jolly, a tight end. Um, kind of difficult to read that room beyond mm-hmm. um, you know the first name there, but I do think. As I've been thinking more and more and I didn't think Grayson McCall is going to have a very nice year there um, I agree I think he's just talented enough to uh, at the wide receiver position to make him um you know look pretty good there in the ACC overall um all right so there's there's your your discussion on sophomore wide receivers um I think quite frankly if I'm looking to buy a guy late that I think presents some value I, I do think Singleton is really really interesting mm-hmm. um I think Jalen Hale is still presenting some value there at Alabama um you know and then you start getting into i think you know Jace, jalen uh, jalen lloyd jace brown amari thomas you know some of those those guys that, that could be interesting um cff producers but maybe you're not um buying too much into the debbie hype for now you know maybe, maybe we get there someday but a little too early to say um all right before we get our our takes off our chest here real quick head on over to Homefield apparel they have, just quite frankly, pretty much the comfiest college sports gear out there. Where you're looking for t-shirts, sweatshirts. I'm, I'm wearing Arizona Wildcats sweatshirt and a pair of their sweatpants right now. And is my t-shirt? No, my t-shirt's not. It usually <laughs> is. Um, usually, I'm usually fully decked out here uh, during the day working from home. Uh, really good stuff. They've got pretty much every school you could ever want. They've got weird stuff. They've got classic stuff.
1: Pretty much They just released a a uh, cool line that i'm gonna get my dad something for i think for his birthday it's uh umass versus um yukon hockey the hockey yeah the mm-hmm. umass
0: hockey stuff was cool uh um, yeah. i've been i was kind of eyeing it up
1: yeah 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 weird i think i'm gonna i think i'm thinking about getting my dad that for his birthday yeah it's a couple months away but i saw that release and immediately thought of him
0: never too early calling and what 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 promo code might you want to use if you're gonna get that for your dad
1: for uh for his birthday i mean if if i'm gonna buy it you know, you got to get the fifteen percent off and use promo code Campus Two Canton. There uh, you go, number two in the middle there. So, huh. yeah, got it. Got to use it. You know, and and I've already used it uh, on my main email address and my backup email address. Um, good thing I have a couple other ones just just ready. So, do you use your wife's work email yet? Not,
0: I haven't used that one yet. That's rock bottom. Just yeah. so you're aware, that's that's okay. rock bottom. If you if you do that officially, we're gonna put you <laughs> put you, put you somewhere in a <laughs> confined place to to talk to someone for a little bit. Maybe get you on some nice uh some meds. It's a white padded room. Yes, yes. Wrapped up. Maybe they have a home. I'll have a home field straight jacket by then. I bet they'd be the oh, that'd be Straight comfiest. jacket. Ever ever. Yeah. I would probably would fake being insane to get put in that. So yeah, head on over to Home Field Apparel right now, guys. Again, promo code Camps to Canton. Get you 15 percent off all right colin one take you want to get it off your chest now you're gonna you want to look like a genius in six months
1: go ahead take it away you're you're gonna yell at me because it's a little bit of cheating because it's kind of two people um but
0: they both have to be right then it's like when you do the thing on Mm -hmm. the the contest and season on the start sits. Mm -hmm. if you give them if you say the whole wide receiver room Mm -hmm. that means Mm -hmm. the whole wide receiver room colin Mm
1: -hmm. um i think that if, well, first off, let me start with the the first name on the list here, Ches Malusi, while running back at Wisconsin. I think he is going to be uh, one of the biggest risers uh, this spring. You know, Braylon Allen is gone. Ches Malusi, he played four games last year, um, so I believe he has the the medical red shirt on that one. Um, so he, he does have another year of eligibility in four games. He had 51 carries, 306 yards and four touchdowns. Um, he looked he looked good um, in that offense at, at times. Um, you know, Braylon Allen was was still kind of the guy, but he's he was just good enough to be a thorn in Braylon Allen's side for like a year. And then the first couple of games is past year. So. I think he is going to have a really nice spring. His injury was a broken fibula, so it's not any—it's not like a torn ACL. It's not a, a tendon injury that tends to take longer to um, recover. Uh, it's not like the, an Achilles or anything like that either. So broken fibula is, is a pretty straightforward recovery. So don't expect him to be limited in spring. I expect this Wisconsin offense to take uh, a little bit of a step forward. Uh, they should have better quarterback play overall with um, Tyler Van Dyke at the helm now. So I, I think we're going to see some clips of of Malusi um uh, doing some things uh, in spring. So I think he's going to be one of the biggest risers because he's not a name I think is really on anybody's list right now. I haven't even really heard anybody in the CFF community talking much about him. Uh, and then the, the other, it was a broken fibula. Broken fibula. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty straightforward recovery. So, uh, thanks,
0: Doctor Decker. No problem. <laughs>
1: uh, our, our resident PTs, Nate or or Tim, um, can 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 confirm. Um, and then the other name that I think is going to be a big riser is Trayon Webb, the running back at Florida, uh, with Travion, or um, Trevor ETN out the door, heading to, over to Georgia. Uh, you know, it vacates hundred over 130 carries, over 150 total touches. Martell Johnson, Montreal Johnson's still there. He's gonna lead that backfield, but we know that uh Sunbelt Billy loves his, his RB split. So I think we're gonna be looking at like over hundred touches for Treon Webb this year. Uh he you know, he played a couple of games last year. He, the only game he really did anything big was McNeese State 14 carries 71 yards two touchdowns uh and then against Vanderbilt four carries for 70 yards uh, other than that just kind of a smattering of carries here and there so didn't blow anybody away last year And we weren't the biggest fans of Webb as a recruiting team um I think he's I think he's just kind of fine um He's, you know, a, a power back. He can, you know, run guys over um, not the best athlete, but not a bad athlete. Uh, over 20 miles per hour clocked by a recruiting team, 20.5. His athletic comp score was a, a .78, so that's pretty solid. So I think he has just enough going for him that he is going to have a nice year, and I think it's going to start in spring. You know, you're going to start to see him get, the carries with montreal johnson and people are going to go back they're going to start paying attention to trey Webb, and i think you're going to hear his name as a riser this spring so ches malusi Trayon Webb, two of the biggest risers in spring
0: i always i always think for those guys like like, like malusi they're coming back from a um you know a, a quote-unquote relatively clean injury but still significant i always just think it's like a mental barrier and some guys can get over it and some can't that's oh, always yeah. like the just you know, the one you know, can, can this guy um, get over it or not? Especially because it was kind of later in the season. You know, I wonder if he plays in spring at all or not. Um, I haven't seen whether they've said that he's going to be a participant, I would imagine probably not full contact. Um, but you know, I guess, and again, I guess if he's cleared, he's cleared. I, I, yeah, I don't know. It was,
1: it was the end of September that he wait, really? Himself. Yeah, he only no played, way. yeah, Malusi only played four games.
0: Man, I was sitting here thinking it was like two weeks before Thanksgiving or something that he went down. That's nope. wild. He went down in September. Did he against mm-hmm. Purdue?
1: Yes. I thought it was way later than that. Are you sure?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's yeah. That's what everything's saying. It's what I, it's all all the articles of uh, Sports Reference. I have it up right now. His game log. It's only four games.
0: Wow.
1: Because that's how he was able to able to come back. Oh, was he out of eligibility
0: if he hadn't been able to register? Well, yeah. Huh, interesting. Yeah. I could have got a med- medical red shirt with another game in there, anyway. But interest, probably. But yeah. interest.
1: Okay. Um, what's your your take that you want to get off your chest here? And this is this is really interesting. Um, I want to hear this one.
0: Yeah. So I, I, you know, I think when things happen early in the off season, you you get a lot of time to kind of sit around and noodle on them and think. You know what what's what's the real impact going to be here? You kind of put aside. Your initial reaction and, and, and think about it a little more. So how how's this for size? I think Jalen Milrow is going to be like really really good this <laughs> year, like really 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 good. Um, like a lot I of think reasons. I think if if our Heisman odds out, I'm probably going to put some money on him. Um, no, pretty I think they're out. Pretty sure they're out. I have to go look and see what his odds are. And really, the impetus for me thinking about this has just been thinking about in contextualizing Michael Penix's career as an NFL draft prospect, and how the 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 years without Kalen DeBoer and the years with Kalen DeBoer and the stark difference that we saw. It, like I think people are saying, you know, we, he Kalen DeBoer wants a passer. He wants a guy that's just you know got great you know just that great natural talent in the pocket. And it's like, does anybody remember Michael Penix before Washington and the opinion of him? Before he reunited with DeBoer there, the Felix one year, was the only one. <laughs> he was terrible without yeah. him. He had one year at Indiana, 2019, together, where he completed 68% of his passes with DeBoer, 10 touchdowns, four interceptions, got injured, I believe, at some point, that didn't finish that season out, um, but uh, was pretty good like a 1.6% turnover worthy plays. Like he, he, uh, double digit a dot. He was pretty freaking good that year. And Kaelin DeBoer left and granted there were some injuries mixed in, but the next two years can't crack 56% completion percentage combined 18 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. He's got, uh, he's up to like 4% turnover worthy. He basically doubles the amount of turnover worthy plays that he's putting out there every single week. He was atrocious. And then he goes to Washington with DeBoer again. And all of a sudden the narrative completely, turns completely different. I think Jalen Milrow is just as talented of a player as Michael Penix, if not more so. I think that Kalen DeBoer is going to get the best out of him. I think he's going to help slow the game down and simplify the game for him a little bit. I think the, the there are some valid questions here. You know, I think the SEC probably a little bit tougher than the Pac-12, especially in terms of defenses. But I do think that the fact that Milrow is just like so big and athletic, I think offsets that a little bit and they don't have to play Alabama's defense, which is like one of those tough defenses, you know, there's like a handful of them in the sec. He doesn't play them. He plays them in practice every week. So I think, you know, that that's one fewer game against some of these guys. Um, I I think the wide receivers, I think that situation has rounded out a little bit better than we thought it was going to be. You know, now that group, you know, it's going to be some sort of mix and match of, of Ryan Williams, who did end up recommitting there. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, the um, five-star guy who, um, oh, what's it called? Re- reclassified. Forward, reclassified, thank you. From from 2025 <laughs> to 2024, I thought of it as soon as I said that. Um, then you've got Jalen Hale, you've got you know Kobe Prentice, Kendrick Law. I don't, I don't love either of those guys, but you know, I think they'll, they'll factor in there a little bit that he brings a Jeremy Bernard. Like all of a sudden, that's not, it that could be a lot worse uh, of a receiving group. Um, the offensive line, I think, will be pretty good still. Um, I'd be interested to see what they do at offensive coordinator, but I think because of DeBoer, it probably doesn't really matter. He'll probably be fairly hands-on or at least involved in the game planning with whoever they bring in. So even though Ryan Grubb is leaving, um, which we didn't talk about at the beginning of the show, um, talk about a scumbag!
1: Talk about yeah. a scumbag!
0: Just yeah, scum of the earth kind of guy. I like, come on, everybody. Yeah. Um. If anybody who doesn't know they he, he and like the other staff basically followed DeBoer to Alabama and said they were signing there as coaches to hoodwink a bunch of guys into staying there. So they wouldn't leave in the 30 day window. And then as soon as they hit the 30 day window, they said, ah, no, I'm just kidding. We're going to go coach with the Seattle Seahawks. Scummy, scummy stuff. Um, There should be some sort of show cause for that. And it's just ridiculous. Um, Just very clearly. Uh, But yeah, I think, I think Milrow is going to be excellent this year. Um, And I think, I, Austin Mack won't see the field at all.
1: I was going to say, how much of this has to do with your hatred of Austin Mack? You know,
0: maybe subconsciously a lot, but that was not part of the <laughs> equation as I was like consciously
1: thinking about it. But you never know. You never know. I I will say, um, I think the hate on Jalen Milrow has probably gone a little too far. And the love on Austin Mack has also probably gone a little too far. And this is coming for somebody who does like Austin Mack a lot. Like, I think Austin Mack is very talented. But I would be very surprised if, if, assuming Jalen Milrow doesn't leave after spring, which I don't think he will. He doesn't seem, he's had opportunities to leave. Assuming he doesn't leave after spring, I think Jalen Milrow will be the starter for Alabama. Um, And I think that, you know, Austin Mack will get in some games next year. You know, uh, a couple of early blowouts, I think he'll get in. I could see them designing a couple of packages with both Milrow and Mac on the field at the same time, given how dynamic Milrow can be uh, as a runner, too, just as an athlete. So I think they will find ways to get Mac onto the field a little bit. But I think this is Jalen Milrow's job um, until he proves that he can't do it. And he struggled as a passer. At times this year, like that's pretty easy. Just it was easy to see; it was pretty well documented. Teams did not really fear him as a passer, but like you said, Deboer tends to get the best out of quarterbacks. Um, so I think that he can make Milrow at least competent as a passer. Uh, if Alabama starts, you know, getting smoked in some games, which I don't think is going to happen, then uh, you know, as long as that doesn't happen, I think Milrow stays a starter for pretty much the whole year. Over or under
0: um you know, like a two and a half place finish. So like you know above that they finished second or first, below they finished third or worse in the SEC. Where where does Alabama finish next year?
1: Um I am going to say below. Okay. Um I think Georgia okay. and Texas are looking like the cream of the crop there. I think Ole Miss looks really good. I think that they are i would probably slot them just ahead of um alabama in terms of where i think they'll finish so i could see alabama in that like three four range
0: interesting
1: okay um
0: yeah i think that's probably i think that's probably fair i i lean i i, I lean okay so let's put the line at three and a half then i i might put it i might put it at better. I'm Ole Miss is one of those teams that I'm going to see. Mm-hmm. Like I have to see it
1: before I believe it. Um, there's just something get that. there that yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't trust them. I don't trust them. I definitely get that. Uh, I, I definitely get not trusting them. And I think that totally valid. I am pretty high on dart and they brought in some good receiving weapons. Um, They brought in Daquan Wright at tight end to kind of replace Michael Trigg. So they have like a a move tight end type of a guy. They brought in Antoine Wells. They bring in Deion Smith, the wide receiver position, and they lose Judkins. So I think they're going to throw the ball around a little bit more. Is that going to be a good thing for Ole Miss? I don't know. But I think that offense is going to be really interesting next year. All right, Colin, let's do our
0: freshman profiles here and we can
1: get on out. All right. Uh, First up for me, uh, I have Kevin Riley, the running back, uh, number three running back in the class, number 76 overall prospect, going to Alabama. He originally committed to Miami, uh, but he is literally from 15 minutes away from Alabama's campus. So... I feel like whenever Alabama decided they wanted him, like he was going to go there. Um, So not a surprise that he flipped uh, on early signing day going to Alabama. Uh, He's got ideal size. Um, He's like 200 pounds right now. And I think he has the frame to hit that like 210, 215 mark. Um, He's got good long speed, um, not really caught from behind too often. A clocked at 21.2 miles per hour uh, by our recruiting team. Um, and he can make defenders miss in the open field, but he's not great in space. Or I mean, in like tight quarters, he kind of chops his feet too much when changing direction. And there's too much wasted movement there, which I think is something he's really going to have to work on. Um, because right now, He's kind of just a get it and go type of a back. If he has to do anything besides just get the ball, get up field, uh, he kind of struggles. Um, he does press the line of scrimmage. Um, well, he shows the patience, but like I said, he, his footwork's not good. He stops his feet. Um, so he really has to work on that. Uh, he's probably never going to be a true receiving threat either. Um, he's got, you know, okay, hands, he, he can be effective on like the swings and screen passes and around the line of scrimmage, but um, probably don't really see too much of a ceiling beyond that. At this point in time, um, you know, he's also going to be stuck behind three borderline five star running backs. Um, so I just think that he's going to have uh, or two two uh, running borderline five stars, jam Miller and justice Haynes. Um, But yeah, I I mean, I think he's going to have a hard time coming by playing time early on in his career. So probably lower on him than most uh, than the services are at this point. And I think if he cleans up enough, I could see him making an NFL roster. Uh, But right now I'm not, Riley's not my favorite back in the class.
0: I think we talked about him on both portions of the early signing day coverage that we did because he was a guy that kind of flipped late to Alabama um and he it's one of those things where he just like very clearly wasn't even like their first or second choice but they got they got um kind of beaten out to a couple of the running backs that they wanted. Um, In particular, Quan Lacey was a guy they were pushing pretty hard for and didn't end up getting. And it was just one of those. that's like a very obvious situation where they just really needed to get it back in this class. And they called the guy that lives down the street and said, Hey, he went to, he went to Tuscaloosa County, Alabama high school. Yeah. Guys, guess where Alabama is. It's in Tuscaloosa. He was right down the street. Um, They might have, they might play within a mile or something. I I don't don't know. I don't know what the location is. So, um, I, I I would be shocked if he ever is actually doing anything meaningful there. Quite frankly, and not that he's a bad player, it's just not really a place that you want to be an afterthought recruit. That doesn't t- typically work out for guys going to Alabama um, or Georgia or really any of those other schools. Uh, but I I digress. Um, so I chose Johan Cardenas as my guy tonight. A really interesting player. A name that we are much higher on. Um. Not like insanely higher on, but but compared to the services, you know, On Three has him thirty-two, uh, Rivals has him twenty-eight, um, and the composite overall, I believe he's in the thirty somewhere, and we have him top ten uh, in our group. And and there's a couple of reasons for that. This kid, running back, six-one, uh, about two between two ten two fifteen, really depending on where you're looking. I think On Three has him at two seventeen, but um, and, and he might be, he might be a big kid from Houston, Texas. Um, and we've talked a lot about on the show before about how Vanderbilt over the past couple of years, um, they have the guy that used to run 24/7 sports, um, scouting stuff. And so they kind of have their ear to the ground in terms of identifying some of these guys early. And sometimes they get them on campus and sometimes they end up flipping late. Um, think a guy like Camorian Pimpton, the tight end last year, last cycle, who was uh, signed with them for a long time until his his recruitment kind of blew up and then he flipped to, to LSU. But then think about Will Shepard and London Humphreys um who were both there and then you know proved to be much too good for Vanderbilt uh and headed out the door I think Cardenas uh, is is kind of you know similar because he's he, he he's you know one of those kind of players he's insanely athletic um you know he's built like I said like a like a brick house at over 215 pounds um he's a pretty advanced runner for his age you know, I think there there are signs of him kind of setting up guys on the second and third levels as he approaches the line of scrimmage. He's got pretty good footwork. I, you know, as with most guys coming out of high school, um, he can definitely uh, improve it, but um, it, it's pretty good as of now. Um, I think he's a capable receiver, and we haven't seen enough out of him to say whether you know he's a plus uh, in in that way or not. But he's he's pretty uh, darn good there. Um, he has, uh, a, a point or an 82nd percentile athleticism score in our database. And that includes 97th percentile and power 80th percentile burst and 69th nice percentile speed also had almost an 80th percentile production score through his junior year. And that's even with an ACL injury that he suffered in 2022, this guy, I think he checks a lot of boxes overall, um, so I think you know he's a guy that can go into Vanderbilt. I think will be automatically the best athlete in the backfield. You know, does he start day one? No, I don't really like the bet that any uh, player going into college is going to start uh, from day one outside of um, you know very specific circumstances. Dylan Rayola, um, looking at you, um, probably the only guy that I'm looking at and saying like I think that guy in this freshman class probably starts day one. Um, but I think Cardenas can go in there, can probably contribute year one. Uh, and if he if he can catch the ball reasonably well, then I think you're talking about a guy that that by year two can probably be the starter for them because um, he's just that physically gifted. so and he might not stay there. He might he might transfer out too. Uh, but I think he's a really interesting player. He's my RB seven. Uh, I have him in that same grouping with guys like Nathaniel Frazier with Kawan Lacey. Um, with Cameron Davis I I think he's just as talented as any of those players quite
1: frankly yeah I like Cardenas too Uh, the Vanderbilt thing I think is maybe a blessing in disguise right now so you said he immediately steps in and is like one of the most dangerous athletes in that backfield Uh, the thing that I I hesitate with a little bit is um, you know we heard a lot of buzz around Cedric Alexander Last year, being the most mm-hmm. talented guy and, and he was supposed to do something and, and he was OK this year, but he never really sees that backfield like we hoped he did. So is it like a more of a veteran deference thing there or was Cedric Alexander maybe a little overhyped? Um, I'll be interested to watch the carries in, in spring uh, and early on in fall practice and see how that kind of splits up.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for tonight's show, guys. Head on over to campusdecamp.com. Check out everything that we have over there. We just announced the freshman guide, guys, the freshman supplemental guide that we do every year. March 1st is the release date on that. It's going to be going live. You can go ahead and pre-order that now, Colin. Is that link live and officially good to go? 10% off? Is Is that what we're we're rolling with right now? Uh, It is live. Yes. It's live. Okay. So there we go. So you can head over there. Um, and, and get your, your pre-order in so that it arrives in your email inbox, uh, early on, on, on the the first, or maybe even the 29th. I don't know how we do that. Is that, is it, do we, do we we have to do that manually?
1: Um, I, I can schedule the release and as long as last year it was cutting it real close. Yeah, Cause I remember <laughs> we were both up until like two in the morning. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I think it, it did last year come out at like 2 AM on March okay. 1st. Um, but if it's, if it's ready in advance, uh, it can be in there at midnight. If not, it might be a little closer to 2 AM. Yeah. We'll see.
0: We'll see. Uh, there's always things that change at the last minute. Um, yeah. You'll want to go ahead uh, and check that out. If you are a yearly yearly nil or all 22 member over at campscan.com you probably already know but if you don't know uh, you get all of our guides you know and in, in included with your membership um, so you'll get it as well and then if you are a yearly um, scholarship which is kind of our, our, our middle tier or you ha- were one of our initial members years ago you have your grandfather membership yearly um, you guys get to pick one of our three guides every year um, uh, for free with your membership. So maybe you're opting this one, maybe the CFF guide, maybe the Debbie guide, uh, the choice is yours. Um,
1: but, uh, yeah, if you, if you are an NIL yearly, all 22 yearly, don't pre-order the guide. Um, it will be available for you for free. at midnight. we will not refund that money. That is on you. (laughs) That is on you. Um, yeah, don't, don't, uh, don't buy that. Um, you get, you'll get it. It'll be there for you guys at midnight. You'll get it just as quick as everybody else. Um, and then it same thing kind of goes for the yearly scholarship or grandfather members. If you are intending to use your free guide on this one, don't pre-order it. Um, you can, you'll get an email at midnight with instructions for how to claim your free guide. You can use that at that point in time. I don't want go. any confusion. From the man himself, <laughs> from the man
0: who has to deal with all the emails saying oh shucks I, I i bought the guide four times which we definitely have happen on occasion or things like that so um there you go from the guy that has to deal with it don't do it <laughs> don't do it check out everything else over there too guys all the tools rankings um, check out the youtube page we hit three thousand subscribers felix is happy but he was happy for maybe five minutes and now he wants more the man has a bloodlust for subscribers on the youtube channel so go ahead sub over there set your notifications on and of course all the other shows here on the podcast network we'll be back next week with another episode of campus life until then guys i am austin and this is colin have a good one